Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is uh, the video teaching series, The First Commandment, Loving God. This is lesson number 11, which uh, was not going to be 11 <laughs> uh, till the last lesson when the Lord demonstrated that he wanted to focus on what we ended up talking about in lesson 11, and now I get to focus on uh, some of the most critical scriptures in all of the Bible for you and I today. And uh, the title of this lesson is Knowing and Trusting God's Love for Us. Knowing and Trusting God's Love for Us. I am going to read, uh, beginning with, uh, oh, probably verse 12. Uh, no man has seen God at any, First John chapter 4, verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. We know, we have seen, and do, do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness of the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are, are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Uh, he that it feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And then in the Amplified, I'm only going to read verses 16 through 19. And we know, understand, recognize, and are conscious of, by observation and by experience, and believe, adhere to, and put faith in, and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection within us, with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For Fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. And then finally, the Amplified from verses 16 down through verse 19. And as for us, we have experiential, we know, we have known experientially the love which God has in our case. And we have that knowledge at present. And we have believed and at present maintained that attitude. God is, as to his nature, love. And he who dwells in the aforementioned love, in God is dwelling, and God in him is dwelling. In, in this has been brought to completion the aforementioned love, which is in us, produced by the Holy Spirit, which love exists in its completed state, resulting in our having undeserved, unreservedness of speech in, at the day of, judge, of the judgment. Because just as he, as that one is, 
also as for us, we are in this world. Fear does not exist in the sphere of the aforementioned love. Certainly, this aforementioned love, which exists in its completed state, throws fear outside because this fear has a penalty. And the one who fears has been brought to completion. The one who fears has not been brought to completion in the sphere of this love and is not in that state at present. As for us, let us be constantly loving because he himself first loved us. Now, these are very critical verses. All all the Bible is critical all the time. But these are very, very important verses for us to measure our current life by. We live in a world, and, and no matter whether you're watching this right soon after I've recorded it, or you may watch it the day before the rapture, whenever that is. The bottom line is, we are now in the last days. This, these are the last days. These are the last days. Jesus told us, wars are rumors of wars, uh, pestilence, earthquakes, and famines in diverse places, etc., etc., and all the other signs that have come to pass and are in the midst of coming to pass, uh, that it's just not a whole lot left for God to do before he comes, except, from my personal understanding of the word and my faith, give that worldwide apostolic end-time revival and harvest that he has sworn with an oath to Abraham that he would do. That's That's it. And James 5 and 7 lets us know that 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 last day harvest is what the Lord is waiting on. 1 John 5, 7 and 8. I'm not going to get into that here. I'd love to, but that's not the will of God. So uh, these verses are very critical. And and so I'm going to take a little bit of time with them. And this lesson may be a few minutes longer than 30. We'll see. Uh, We'll see. And we have known... And as both of these translations have uh, have brought out, the Greek word there, no, doesn't mean intellectual knowledge. We know something as as experiential working knowledge in our lives. We know the love of God. We know it. That's where God wants you and I to get. It's one thing to receive love. It's another thing to understand uh, that what love is doing in us and what that because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And I've said it many times, the love of God using the agency, the vehicle of the Spirit of God work in our lives to, to teach us and to equip us and to empower us uh, to do what we don't know to do and can't do ourselves uh, is called grace. Okay? And so we have known by experience, not just... Uh, it's like Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen, my eye has seen you. This is someone that hasn't just heard preaching about God. And they haven't just gone through an experience of salvation, but they're living a life of salvation experientially every day. Not experimentally, but experientially every day. Every day is a walk in the love of God. Every day is a, is the love of God in, in moving on me to want to obey him and empowering me to obey his word and to encourage me that when I've missed the mark, sinned, missed the mark by not living by his word, that I should quickly repent and receive that forgiveness and keep going. A lot of people repent, 
but they don't believe they're forgiven. When I commit sin and I ask God to forgive me, he expects me to act like I believe I'm forgiven. If I sit around moping and participate in self-flagellation, then I am, I am discrediting the blood of Jesus Christ. I am discrediting the love of God that it was, that expressed itself in providing for my forgiveness. You say, but that's too easy. No, it's only easy for us. He did all the hard work for it. Why? Because the one that provided it and the one that does all the work is the one that gets all the credit and the glory. Because it is easy for me, and it's of course not easy, it just seems easy. Uh, I don't, I can't take the credit for my forgiveness. I can't take the credit for having the right to repent so I can be forgiven as a child of God. And so we experience that love. And as we know the love of God experientially, we began to believe the love. Oh, I believe in the love. No, no, that's not what this word means. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. Listen to what, uh, uh, uh the, uh, Amplified says uh, on verse 16, And we know, understand, recognize, or are conscious of by observation and by experience, and believe. It means to adhere to, to put faith in, and rely on. So if I'm not trusting my life to the love of God, and I'm not relying on the love of God, then I don't believe in the love of God. It's not mental assent. Oh, yeah, yeah, God loves me. Oh, that's not love of God. And that's not faith in the love of God. I don't have faith in the love of God till I'm trusting the love of God with my life every day, no matter what happens. And, of course, Job passed the two tests. He failed the third test. The first test he passed when he lost everything, including his seven sons and three daughters. He said, the Lord giveth the the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came in this world, naked I'm going out. The second test, when his body was covered with boils and his wife uh, turned on him or appeared to turn on him and said, why don't you curse God and die? He said to her, now I'm paraphrasing according to what he meant, uh, uh, what his motive was, you speak like the fools who say there's no God. Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? Excuse me. Uh, if we, shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? In other words, if God is able to bring good in our life, he has the right to bring negative things in our life for his purposes. He passed all those tests. It wasn't till, till his friends accused him of doing wrong. That's why God's doing this bad stuff to you. Then he began to justify himself and defend himself. And the Lord said, you're going to condemn me so that you can be righteous. And so all of this process, Job says, I have heard of you, the hearing of the ears, but now I, my eye sees you. Now I see you. So this is what God is doing in our lives. He wants us to both know his love by experience and to learn to trust in, rely upon, and cling to His love, meaning we believe in His love. God is love, and He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. And I've already talked about this, but I'm going to do it one more time. As many as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's how, and, it's, and the Lord provided that through the death, burial, and resurrection so we could be baptized into Christ 
by the love of God. It was provided by the love of God. And when the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, Romans 5 and 5, uh, that is God coming into us, abiding in us. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, or this is the test of whether our love is mature. Do we have more growing to do? Do we have enough experience with his love? Do we have enough trust in his love? If our love is, and I've talked about in several of these lessons, all the way back in John chapter, first uh, John chapter two, he told us that the way the love of God is perfected in us is that the love of God empowers us to keep the word of God. And the greatest commandment is, which this series is talking about, uh, that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And the Greek word there for all is the whole of. We should do that. Okay. Well, uh, perfected love is when we are giving our whole being to God by giving His word our careful attention and we are willing to submit to the word of God as the final authority in our life and be empowered by the, the spirit of God to keep the word of God. So, that is when our love is mature. Well, if our love is mature, now the, the King James says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The word boldness there in the Greek literally means confidence. And the word judgment in the Greek, the English equivalent letters of the Greek letters is K-R-I-S-I-S, from which we get the English word crisis. And every crisis in my life is practice for the judgment day. God loves us so much, he's not willing for us to face that day without having been schooled by him so that we're ready to pass the test of that day. So I'm going to tell you what right now. I have taken a few tests in my life. And I'm not willing to, I have never been willing to sit down for one final exam that I hadn't gone through the course and studied for it. Are you really willing to face the judgment without being schooled to prepare for the judgment? So every crisis in my life, the love of God has allowed every crisis in my life so that I can learn by experience that I can trust God and His love no matter what the crisis is in my, is in my life to be able to have confidence that God and His love allowed this to happen and He's going to see me through it. It shall come to pass. With everything God allows in my life, there is an end date to the crisis. Now that end, end of the crisis may be leaving this life and going to the next. But none of this is permanent. All of this is temporary. The only way this is permanent is if I don't love God, because 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha, let him be a curse, the Lord cometh. So I want my love for the Lord to be constantly tested. I want to, I want to be tested in whether or not I am 
loving him because he first loved me. Whether or not I can trust him. Now, he's going to do that whether I want him to or not. So, depending on my attitude toward God, therefore the love of God, I'm going, I have an attitude toward him on whether or not I love him and believe he loves me. Because we love him because he first loved us. So, he says, Herein is our love made perfect, or this is the way we... We test our love to see how mature it is. How, what's our attitude and spirit in days of crisis? And the Lord lets us go through all of this so that we can grow in our experience with the love of God. And, and, and John, excuse me, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, the last verse of that chapter, I think it's 19, I think, uh, he said, uh, and and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. The word know there is to know by experience the love of God, which surpasses, is superior to all intellectual knowledge, which then is the open door where we can be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what the Lord's doing in our lives. And so he tests us and tests our our, 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 our love, uh, uh, our submission to his love and our willingness for the love of his love to flow through us, uh, because ultimately all of this is to prepare us for the day when he is going to do great things in the earth through the body of Christ collectively and the sons of God individually. Now, Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the whole creation groaneth waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The man Christ Jesus was manifested at the end of the old covenant. He spent 30 years in training. He's, though he were a son, Hebrews 5 says, that yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So that there came a day that all that anonymity of those first 30 years of his life was over. He had the direction from the Father to walk out of that carpenter shop and lock the door for the last time. And he went down to Jordan, was baptized by, by John. The uh, Holy Ghost came upon him in the sign the, of the vision of a dove setting upon him with a voice from heaven confirming who he was. And from that point on, there was no more anonymity. He now was manifested as a son of God. And he, he did that until the day he was taken off the earth. That manifestation of the sons of God, that was the son of God at the end of the old covenant. It's the sons of God at the end of the new covenant. God is not going to do the things he's going to do in the seven years of wrath to this world without giving them a chance by the sons of God in the earth being manifested. And it's the love of God that will be flowing through us in the works of the Holy Ghost, speaking the word of God and then demonstrating the word of God as confirmation to that word from God because he wants to give the world a chance. Now, not everybody's going to be saved, but nobody's going to be able to say they didn't have that opportunity. And that's what God is preparing you and I for. It's, 
The Bible says we're going to be hated of all men for his namesake. They don't hate us. They don't even know we exist. Oh, yeah, well, they, they hate Christians. Yeah, the slight problem is, and I'm being sarcastic, most of us don't believe that most of them are fully Christians yet, do we? That doesn't work, does it? They don't hate us for his name's sake. Now, the church world does. Many of them. They hate us for his name's sake. But the world's going to hate us. How? What in the world's going to happen here in these last few days, weeks, months, or even years before the Lord comes that the whole world is going to make a decision to either love Jesus or hate those of, of us that love him because of his name? What in the world's going to happen? Something's got to happen for the whole world to hate. And again, the whole world is excluding those that are going to hear the gospel and love God and love us as the brethren. So the whole world that's rejected God is going to hate us for his namesake. That's going to be the world we live in when the sons of God are manifested. But how in the world are you and I going to get to that place when we can't even go through trials with the right attitude and spirit? Now, if God really loved me, he wouldn't let this happen to me. That's not a son of God talking. That's a spoiled brat talking. No offense. It's true. It proves a person that has that attitude, after all I've done for God, he's letting this happen to me? You mean like losing seven sons and three daughters in one accident? You mean like preaching to thousands of people and having your head cut off? You mean like being the apostle, the, the, the chief apostle of the church in the beginning and being crucified upside down? You mean like getting boiled in oil and when the Lord wouldn't let that kill you, you're being exiled for the rest of your life on the Isle of Patmos to our knowledge? You mean like that? You mean after all we've done for him, he lets this stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a test of our love for him and our faith in his love. Because our love for him can only exist in a way that pleases him if we know experientially his love and we trust his love. Because only by knowing his love and trusting his love can we then have love to give back. Because again, John, 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. So all of this is going to happen. This is, that's why, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us he, that we might be called the sons of God because the sons of God are going to be manifested. That's not talking about the rapture. It's talking about the same kind of manifestation that the Son of God was manifested with at the end of the Old Covenant. There's going to be a manifestation of the sons of God at the end of the New Covenant. And God is teaching us and working us and whatever. And here's the gauge. You want to, you have a gas gauge to let you know how much fuel's in the tank. You got a voltmeter to let you know if the alternator's charging the battery. You got a temperature gauge to let you know how hot the engine's running. You got a speedometer to let you know how fast you're going. You got a tachometer to let you know how many RPM the engine's running. Yeah, you got all these kind of gauges to give you a instant update on how you're car is doing well what about all the gauges god has given us to let us know how you and i are running how are we doing well here it is do we have confidence experiential knowledge and confidence in his love in times of crisis or do we have fear 
Do we have fear? And Paul said it, or excuse me, John said it. There is no fear in love. Isn't talking about the love, the fear of God. This is talking about fear of circumstances and fear of the adversary who is threatening us through those circumstances, whether we recognize it's him doing the threatening or not. And the scripture says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. I quoted it for many years, perfect love casteth out all fear. Uh, That's true. That's not exactly the way the scripture puts it. Perfect love casteth out fear, period. Fear. No, all kinds of negative fear. Now, Moses had fear from God. It's not Moses, Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved, believed God, and moved, or by faith, Noah, uh, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of the household by which he saved his family and by which he condemned the world. He had fear, but it was a fear that activates, that moves. The fear of the Lord activates us. Fear from the adversary paralyzes us. Paralyzes us. And there is no fear in love because perfect love Casteth out fear. Why? Because the love of God gives peace. The love of God gives assurance. The love of God lets you know it's okay. I'm here. I'm in control. I got this. Nothing's happening I didn't know about. I've got this. You can trust me. You don't have to have all the answers. I got all the answers. Just walk with me. Let me love you. Love me back. And everything's going to be okay. It's okay. Because if I don't have fear, I've got torment. 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 And it is a sad, sad thing to see Holy Ghost filled, baptized in Jesus' name people, terrified of life, terrified of dying, terrified of kids dying, terrified of divorce, terrified of cancer, terrified of car accidents, terrified of planes crashing, uh, terrified. There's torment in that. There's no peace. Torment in this context is the opposite of peace. Jesus said, John 16, uh, 33, these things have I spoken unto unto you that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have. King James says tribulation. The Greek word is thalipsis, which means situations that cause great pressure. Some translations translate in the world, you shall have trouble. Wait a minute, I thought you were God. You were going to spare me from all trouble. Where does it say that? Where does the Bible say that? When did it ever say that? He said, in the world, you shall have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I got you. It's okay. I allowed this for a purpose. And I've said this many times, but there's two houses, one built on the rock, one built on sand. One represents the house of God, those that are loving God and loving his word and obeying him. And the others, those who claim to be Christians, but they don't have their house built on rock because the word of God is not their priority. 
Well, how's the world going to know which one is God's people and which one are say they're God's people or not? Rains, wind, floods. Those don't have any effect on the house built on God's rock, the word. And they collapse, destroy the house that's built on the sand that ignores the word of God because they ignore the love of God. He that feareth, such a it's a kind statement, but it's, it's very straightforward. He that feareth is not mature in love, is not made perfect in love, is not mature in love. You're not, you haven't grown up in love. You're still a child in your love. You know, children, they're really happy when you give them what they want. They're really unhappy when you don't give them what you, they want. That's immature love. But as they get older, I had <laughs> one of my sons just say to me recently, you know, I didn't understand what you went through when, uh, you know, I was going through this or wanting to move off into life or whatever. But now that I have children that are on the verge of that or hoping to do that, it's, I see how difficult it is. I see how difficult it is. It really is. You know, you spend 18 years or so loving them or training them, providing for them, training teaching them and hopefully setting an example for them. And then they grow up, they get married and, Everything changes. All the stuff I had a right to say when they were in my house, now that they're married, I have sons, now that he's married and he's has his own house, his own family, I don't have a right to say those things. I don't have a right to say them. So I don't. If they ask for help, I give it. They don't ask. They're men. They have their own family. They have their own problems. And those problems are their problems. I pray for them. But they ha- those are their problems, and they have to decide where they're going to get their help from and how they're going to make it through these things. This is what God, our Father does with us. He's training us. He's teaching us. He's preparing us. He is maturing his love in us so that His we can rely on our experiential knowledge of his love and have faith and confidence and trust in his love. That's what he's doing. And it's all built on this one principle. You talk about one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible, all of the Bible, the one on which everything is really built. It's the foundation, actually, of the greatest commandment. We love him because he first loved us. There it is right there. We don't love him so that he will love us. We love him because he gave us his love first. He loves us just like we are, but his love abiding in us isn't going to leave us like we are ever. His love working in us, abiding in us and working in us is always going to be working to bring us to a greater place of spiritual strength and maturity in him. Why? Because his life is temporary. He's not only preparing us for what he's going to do in these last few days before the rapture. He's also preparing us for how he's going to use us in the millennial reign of Christ. And he's preparing us for how he's going to use us in the eternal kingdom. And if you love him because he loves you, 
and you love his word because it's by his word that you first knew how you that he loved you. And therefore, you want to keep his word because you want to love him with your whole being. Then it all of this matters to you. If you don't really love him, then a lot of this stuff was just words going in. You may have probably already tuned out. You might have turned it off, and I don't know it, and you don't know that I know it. And uh, But you might be still listening, but you're going, huh? What is he talking about? That's the problem, isn't it? Huh? What am I talking about? Talking about the word of God. Talking about the plan of God. So, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name I pray that by the grace of God, by the love of God working, by the Spirit of God in your life, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and of his love for you, that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling, that you might know the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and that you might know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at, on the, the throne at the right hand of God, in the right hand of God as the representative of the authority and power of God, and put him over all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the world to come, but in this world right now. And he's put all things under the feet of his body. That's us. And he's become the head over all things to his body, which is his church. And we are the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The privilege of all of that is beyond explanation or description. I love to talk about it. But I have never remotely come close to even plumbing the shallow end of that pool. Forget exploring the deep end of that pool. But by the grace of God, I am determined to keep on being taught by him those things so I can let him live those things through me. I pray these things for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray the grace of God upon you that you would see with his eyes, hear with his ears, and receive with the heart that he gives you to perceive, receive, and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.